started, Cece's got uh, somebody picked out to do announcements and uh, to kind of let you know what's going on. You make sure you got a, you can use this microphone, Sharon. We, uh, we have a lot, of, a lot of change that's going on at Living Spring right now. A lot of different ministries are in transition. They're in a building process, and it's very exciting. And uh, while I was on vacation, we hired uh, two n- more people, w- which shows you I'm not needed at all. They just, it just goes on great. We hire people, fire people. I don't know if Cece's still here or not, but I'll find out from the board. But uh, would you guys come up? We, we had... Um, we hired Alex and Jackie Walker. Yeah. 
Alex is our worship leader and um, Jackie is our new director of children's ministry. We're going to build on, I mean, it's just the unbelievable job that Cheryl has done all these years. And uh, we're going to honor her in a few weeks because she's still on staff. So we don't honor anybody on staff. But uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But uh, in a few weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll honor her. But um, and then uh, Alex is uh, for his first Sunday here, we told him not to lead worship. So he thinks it's the most cush job in the world. Um, <laughs> But uh, Jackie, why don't you sh- kind of share a little bit of your heart at children's ministry and uh, just kind of what's going on? Okay, so when I was 10 and 11, two major traumatic things happened in my life. But see, I didn't know Christ. I didn't know Christ until I was 19. Nobody walked me through the love of God through these traumatic events in my life. And it's not been until recently that somebody showed me and God showed me how he was present in those Think about how precious a newborn child is and how precious the toddlers are and the little kids and then even these all the way through the fourth and fifth graders and how much more empowered they would be if they knew how loved they are by God, if they understood their value and their worth because of their Heavenly Father and the knowledge of His love for them and if they would be able to go out and share that with the world. So my hope is that not only can <laughs> You're in a per- perfect position. We don't let Alex talk because he breaks out in song every time he does. So uh, <laughs> uh, let, me, let, me, uh, let me pray for them. Lord God, um, you, you've brought this couple to us. And, and, and um, Lord, it, it's not only what they bring to Living Spring, but what Living Spring brings to them. A community of people who would love them, who want them to succeed, who want to see the kingdom advanced. And so I just pray that as you put them on our hearts, that we would um, be supportive, that we would find out what their needs are and fill them, and that we would um, just be the kind of family that you've designed us to be. So we thank you for them, and we can't wait to get to know them even more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'll tell you, both of these positions... uh, were filled through hours and hours and hours of prayer, both uh, with Jackie and Alex and Living Spring on their own. And I, I'm telling you, we scored uh, with them. They are an unbelievable couple, very talented, very smart. And so um, 
keep, uh, keep them in your prayers. And then the other thing is they're looking for housing in the area. So if you are driving around and you see of a rental place or you know of somebody or whatever, um, uh, even though at Living Spring, you know, they're getting paid, I think it's $250,000 a year or something like that. Uh, we'd like something with very low rent, uh, you know. So, um, yeah, uh, but uh, we're, we're excited to have you guys. I, I have a, a couple friends who are in the military, and um, I remember when they first went into the military, and, and they went through boot camp, and they were telling me about boot camp, and I, I, remember, I, can, I can remember sitting down with them, talking to them about boot camp, and the only thing that just kept going on in my mind was, I will never do that. <laughs> It seems so hard and so crazy. And why in the world would I go into boot camp? And I have a friend who's in the Air Force Academy, or he's in the Air Force, and he went to the Air Force Academy, and then they, they dropped him off in this area and just told him to survive, and they were going to hunt him down. And so uh, he had to eat bugs and all this. I'm thinking to myself, who does this? I mean, I just go, I'm upset when I run out of coffee. You know, and, and it's like, they have to eat bugs? I mean, what is going on? So, and so, you know, they try to, they, and everybody gets found, you know, and then they, you know, it's all this part of the survival training, this crazy stuff. And then, uh, you know, we've been changing so many ministries here at Living Spring, and we, we just feel like we're, we're ready to go in so many different areas. And one of those areas is, is men's ministry is just starting up, and we have a great team of men who are building that, that up, and one of them's Tom Callahan. And so we, we went out for some coffee, and I was just asking him about boot camp, you know, and it was the same thing. It's like, don't they have any easy boot camps? I mean, don't they have any like kind of club med boot camp, you know? And, you know, oh, only two strips of bacon, Ugh, you know? I, I don't know. It, it's just boot camp to me just frightens me. And, and here's the thing that I, I found out about myself. I'm addicted to comfort. I'm addicted to comfort. I don't like anything going bad. I don't like anything going wrong. Anytime something doesn't happen the way I want, I complain. I started thinking to myself, I need a spiritual boot camp. I need to start taking my spiritual level up a notch. And you go, but you're the pastor. You're supposed to be notched up already. What I'm here to tell you is it doesn't matter who you are or what you are. You can get lulled into comfort. And so I want all the ministries to run perfectly. I want the finances to be awesome. I, want, I don't want anyone thinking poorly about the church. I want all this kind of stuff. And I started thinking, I need a boot camp. And so because I need a boot camp, you guys are going to go through boot camp okay? because I'm the one designing my own boot camp. And here's what I want to do for us in the next, this week is going to be an introduction and then we're going to go through four, four weeks of stuff. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some pretty tough issues like our finances, like how into the word are we, fasting, how do we view worship, do we come to be served or do we come to, to glorify God and no matter what's going on on stage? And so if you're new, like if you're brand new here and you're like, I'm just stepping into church for the first time and you're frightening me, excellent. It, that's perfect. Because here's, here's what we want to be at Living Spring. We want to be a people of committed Christians no matter what the cost. And so I want to go over with you what I learn about trying to shake my spiritual life up a little bit. 
And so we're going to be doing crazy stuff like um, picking something to fast the entire time, whether it's coffee or Facebook or what. I know you guys are like, not Facebook. You know, yes, Facebook, whatever, whatever. The great thing about it is I don't have to tell you what it is. And so we're going to look into that. We're going to look into fasting on certain days and maybe uh, kind of doing crazy stuff like sending out an email about tomorrow night at 2 a.m. We're going to meet here in the sanctuary and pray. Just stuff that kind of takes it to the next level. Why? Because it earns God's favor anymore? Absolutely not. But that we could actually consider ourselves in war as an army, as a, 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 a soldier that's receiving our orders from our Heavenly Father who's saying, I want you to do this now. I want you to get up and, and do that. And so uh, this morning, we're going to look at a section of Scripture uh, out of Numbers chapter 13 that kind of talks about uh, what happened to a people who became complacent and who um, di- didn't quite get the whole, the whole picture. W- what's happened, if I could just give you some background, um, the, the nation of Israel, and we talked about this before, the whole purpose of the nation of Israel was to be God's people. They were going to be in God's land. They were going to serve God. They were going to follow his statutes. And all the other countries were going to look at the nation of Israel and say, that is an awesome God that leads that people. What a wise and understanding and just God. And so through a series of failure and failure and failure, they get sent off to Egypt for uh, about 400 years. And, and so what happened is, and we all know the story, God talked to Moses, you saw it as Disney thing, and uh, God talks to Moses and says, you know, lead my people out of Egypt, and God does it. He sends these plagues, and then they, they come out of Egypt, and they cross this river, and it just widens out, and they go through, and then the Egyptians are all... Uh, wiped out behind them. And so they finally, they're going and they finally get to the place where God has from the promised land, the blessing. And, and what I want to look at this morning is this idea in my own life where I really love the blessing, but I shrink back at the cost. I really want God's blessing. I know God's blessing. I can read about God's blessing, but it doesn't come with just a prayer. It comes at a cost. And here's, here's what happened. Basically, in, in Numbers chapter 13, um, verse 1, it's not behind me, but it says this, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each uh, ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Okay, so that's exactly what happens. And so what Moses does is he takes that command from God and he thinks as a good leader does and says, okay, let's strategize. If, they're gonna, if God wants us to send leaders in, let's strategize about what we want them to see as they spy out this land. And so, good gracious, Moses gives, him, uh, g- gives these, uh, these instructions. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country and see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit in the land as it was the season for the first ripe grapes. 
And so these 12 guys go out, do exactly what Moses says. It takes them 40 days. I mean, they spy out this land. I mean, how exciting. They come back with their report. Now, for 40 days, all the Israelites are sitting there waiting. Now, when are they coming back? Oh, four, 38 more days. Oh, it's going to be awesome. This is great. This is exactly what God has promised. We have 400 years of captivity. We're done with that. We're, in our, we're getting ready to take our land. God said he's going to give it to us. Can't wait to hear the report. Here's what happens. They come back, and they got some fruit, and they saw everything. And here's the report they gave. It says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, and here's its fruit. Now, that is so exciting because God promised something hundreds of years ago, and then he gets them out of Egypt, and he feeds the manna and he sent, says he sent, sent a wind in to blow quail over so that they could have meat and he would be with them in a pillar of fire and a, and a cloud and I mean this is exciting and they come back and they go they pick up it says it took two men to hold this pole and they had a cluster of grapes on this pole now I don't know I just picture just because it's a land flowing with milk and honey and it was a killer that, that the grapes were like the size of baseballs but that's just in my own mind it's not what it says in here but I'm just thinking Look at these grapes. And then the next verse comes, and it's so discouraging. It's like we, we, we're at the promised land. We know the promises. There's proof that God is real, that God's doing stuff. And then we, we hit this next verse in verse 28. But we got all this fruit. The land's awesome. 40 days we came back. Everything's going great, but the people who live here are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. I don't know who they are, but they're big, okay? Um, It would be like saying there's a bunch of NFL players there. They're just roaming around, okay? The uh, Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near along the Jordan. Now, now listen, so here's, here's what's going down. I, I kind of wrote it down to summarize, okay? They're huge people, okay? There's big fortified cities. There's descendants of Anak, NFL players, and we'd be surrounded. Yes, God's promises are true. Yeah, everything, yes, it's happening exactly like, but, and how many times in my own life have I, have I grasped onto the promises of God and I know them and they're true and I want to follow them, but man, some of our marriages are like that. We, we know, man, we have a vision for what God could have in our marriages and God says, hey, husbands, lay down your life for your wife and you go, yeah, but she nags me or whatever it is your thing is or my thing is, Right? You see, oh, I, I, I'm going to submit to my husband, but he's always, and we end up losing it. We end up missing out because we're addicted to comfort. And so that's what happens. They say, uh, you know, there's these four things and, 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 uh, and it's bad news. And here's the thing that happens to me. I don't know if it happens to you, but what, what Satan doesn't necessarily lie on every... None of these were wrong. That's exactly the way it was. 
there were, there were huge people, big fortified cities and NFL players there and they were surrounded. It's not a lie. But what I found that the enemy does in my life and where I get addicted to comfort and I start listening to, 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 to him is he doesn't lie about the facts. He lies about the outcome. He says, so therefore you can't or you won't or it's not gonna happen. And that's where the enemy gets us. See, watch what happens to Caleb. Caleb comes back, and when you read about Caleb uh, uh, th- uh, past what happens here, Caleb was just a bad dude. I mean, he, it, it, the Bible says that uh, God says this about Caleb. God says that he loved me wholeheartedly. I mean, this guy has gone to spiritual boot camp. He's ready. Whatever the marching orders are, he's ready to go. Now watch what he says. He says, so he silences the crowd, which he basically tells them, you guys shut up, okay? Because it's the crowd now, so they're all freaking out. Watch what he says. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we, certainly, uh, we can certainly do it. What? He didn't address any of the four. He just says, yeah, no, we should go. Let's, we're going to do it. Don't you want that kind of faith? Don't, don't you want the kind of faith that says, you know, something doesn't happen right, and you go, oh, yeah, that's no big deal. God, God knows what's going on. God says he's never going to leave me or forsake me. God's got my finances. God's got the, I mean, I know I do, but I fail oftentimes because I, I'm, I'm scared of what the NFL players are going to do to me. I'm scared. I know sometimes God is telling me right then, share your faith with that person. And I go, oh man, if they come to Christ, it's going to be awesome. And it's going to change their life and their whole eternal destination changes. But what if they think I'm crazy? What if, what if I don't know the Bible that well and they ask me a question I can't answer? You got the promise of God on one hand and then my insecurity on the other hand. Caleb doesn't say, oh, those people weren't that big. Oh, they're not surrounded. Oh, no, the cities are small. They're barely even fortified. He doesn't do that. He goes, oh, yeah, no, all that stuff. Let's go. Let's go take it. I love that about, I love that about Caleb. Now watch what happens. So the people say, this is so, this is so typical. It says, um, we saw, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. Caleb silenced the people and told them we could certainly do it. And then he says, uh, yeah. And in Numbers 13, 32, they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land. See, now what's happening is they talked about the people in the land. They talked about how those cities are too big. Now they're saying that there's a problem with the actual land itself. And he says, uh, the Israelites, a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. Now, was that true? No, that's not true. But see, this is what begins to happen once we don't step out in faith, right when God wants us to pull the trigger. See, what we do is, or at least what I do is, once I, I go, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it, to make myself feel a little bit better, I just say, well, it wasn't worth it anyway. And that is sin. Because what I'm saying is, God, I know you've promised this for my marriage. I know you've promised this for, for me. I know you've done this. You know, I know all this kind of stuff, but, but, but it's just so hard. And so it's probably not really going to turn out that way. 
And it says, as you read through this story, that's what got God really upset. That's why they spent 40 days doing that. Watch what they say. It's really amazing. Um, they go talking about, after they say it's a, it, it, they give a bad report, it says, we saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. For some reason, these descendants of Anak, they're like, because they're in here the whole time, uh, come uh, from the Nephilim. Now listen to this. Here's what they said. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. This is the final thing of what happens to us when we don't step out in faith right when God's telling us to move. See, then we just start going, oh, you know what? I can't, I can't I'm, this is, it's worthless. And they start comparing themselves with the giants. So the way I, I, I described it in first service um, was, you know, for those of you who've been attending church here a long time, Moses Peralta is enormous, okay? He's just very tall. He attends church here. So when I go next to Moses Peralta, I look like a grasshopper. I feel like a grasshopper to him. And oftentimes he'll say, you done well, grass. No, I, it's a, I feel like a grasshopper to him. And to be honest, he's probably looking down going, yeah, you're pretty much like a grasshopper, okay? And so I can get all caught up in that. And we do this to each other all the time uh, with our marriages, with our finances, with, you know, you've got this, you've got that. And so we compare and the scriptures are so clear about how unhealthy that is and how God does it. But now take God's perspective now. And he looks down at me and Moses and goes, dude, you guys are both grasshoppers. Compared to me, I created the stars. I know them by name. I flung them out with my hand. You guys are, you guys are both little tiny grasshoppers. And see, this is, this is the thing. When we begin to look at each other and we begin to go, oh man, or we look at politics and we go, there's just too much. Or we look at uh, what's happening in society and we go, oh, we, we're, we can, we're totally ineffective. God says, no, I'm effective. Both of you guys are grasshoppers. Yeah, we do, we'll do it again, like I said, in marriages. You know, you look at your marriage and then you look at someone else's marriage and go, man, they seem to have it all together. You know what? In God's view, their marriage stinks just as much as yours does. Do you know why I know that? Because he says, here's husbands, here's the standard for you. I want you to lay down your life like Christ laid his life down for the church. Well, now how are you doing? Not very good. I know I'm not. And he says, okay, wife, here's the standard. Submit to your husband. Wait, submit? What does it mean in the Greek? Submit. What? Uh, have you seen him? You know, it's like, and God's going, yeah, I see, I see you too. Oh, no, I'm dead. All right, so, I mean, this is what happens to us. We get so caught up in this. Now, listen, here's the question I have for you this morning. Why did God send out those people to spy out the land? Why God took them out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. They all went through. They essentially robbed Egypt of all their gold and killed them all. Didn't cost them anything. Why did God have them spy out the land? Did God forget what the land looked like? And he's like, oh man, those sons of Anak are there. I totally forgot about them. What was I feeding them? They're huge, right? They better go and get a plan. Here's what I believe. Because here's... Here's what I think the scripture teaches us in general. I think God wanted them to see there's no way you're doing it on your own. See, I think God wanted them to look around and go, 
When this happens, there's going to be no question that it's God. And yeah, you know what? You should feel like a grasshopper, but guess what? I'm here. I'm God. I've done it before. And see, for me, and and why I wanted a spiritual boot camp and why I kind of wanted to give myself a a kick in the boot camp was that I I, I don't want to be that person that stands at the edge of the blessing. And he says, man, pull the trigger now. And I go, yeah, but... And, you know, we, we, we're doing it. I mean, we're, 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 we're taking a risk. We're hiring people in the summer, which is financially for a church the worst time of the year. We're hiring people because we're trying to just break out of this idea that God's not in control. Now, now where I'm going with all this is to a, sec, a section of Scripture in Corinthians that I think so kind of puts it all into perspective. And Paul's the one talking, and it's in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to start in in chapter 11. But it's this idea that God, the blessing just shows more of who God is. It's not that we arrive in some spiritual comfort Disneyland. That when we do everything right and everything works out, and we, we read our Bible every single day, we get a hummer. Or if we just really pray and we really get on our knees, all our debt goes away. Now that may happen to some of us for whatever reason God chooses. But that's not scriptural. And so what I want to show you is what in the world is happening then? Why would God put us in situations or allow us to be in situations that are so hard? Paul was in this position, okay? And, and if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it says this. This is Paul. Now, I want you to understand this. He's probably more spiritual than me. I mean, maybe by a little, but he's still got, Paul's probably got, so if I want to be, if I'm like, okay, I just need five more scripture verses and then I'll be as good as Paul. Here's what I have waiting for me, okay? Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Okay, with stones. Okay, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and a day in the open sea. Okay, which means he's just floating around out there. It's like castaway. Um, I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger by false brothers. I've labored and toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food and I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. I mean, man, what a life. And yet Paul, when he writes, he writes of so much unbelievable blessing that happens in his life. The things he's learned through these struggles, the things that, that, that he would not shrink back from because he knows this is going to bring me closer to God. The, 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 when I follow him, when I obey him, when I'm not addicted to comfort, when I can say, no, you know what? I'm getting up now and I'm going to pray. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Not to earn God's favor. That's grace. But to just get another taste of who he is. Don't you, isn't that 
who you want to be in your relationship with Christ. It, it is, it's who I want to be. So what happened was God is blessing Paul. God's given him visions and given, I mean, can you imagine penning scripture? I don't know what happens to you when you're doing that. I don't know if you go into some freaky trance or whatever, but to have the Holy Spirit use you in a way that's going to go on for a millennium must have been awesome. So what's his reward for all this faithfulness? Oh, I lost my spot. What's his reward? He says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these uh, surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh. A thorn? I mean, really? Like, Like just something that's just constantly getting him like, that's his, that's his reward. That's his thing. And it goes on. It says, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, what Paul does what any one of us would do in a situation like that, and some of us are in that situation right now, going, man, God, why is this happening? Please take it away. Please, please take it away. Take it away. I want to get rid of the poking and I want to get rid of the tormenting and I just want to be left alone. Watch what happens. Some of you know this verse real well. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me this, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. See, when we come to that conclusion, like the Israelites should have come to right when they came up to the land, like, man, God better come through because there's no way we're getting through this. And some of you are there right now in your finances. You're there right now in your marriages. You're in right now in whatever work situation you're in. And God is telling you, hang in there. And you're like, ah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call it quits. Like, no, 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 hang in there. This is a process that I want to take you through that brings you closer to me to give me glory. And while it seems unfair, this is who we want to be as people of God, fully devoted followers of Christ going, I I don't know what's going on. Now watch what Paul does. It's, It's phenomenal that if we can tap into this, there's no stopping us. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. He says, that is why, for Christ's sake, listen, he says, I delight in my weaknesses. Like, can you imagine what that would be like? You get, you are, you know, you're working hard, you got your house, and they, maybe you're doing the impound thing, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, they pay all your, it's, everything's wrapped up in your payment, and you realize they didn't, you're, property taxes didn't get put in there and you get a bill for 2500 bucks for property tax and you go yes <laughs> awesome this is going to be fantastic 2500 bucks i don't have it i don't know how we're going to get it honey listen to the great news <laughs> right this is great or you're you know, you're at home and your husband comes home and he puts the keys on the table and says, what's for dinner? And you go, awesome, he's here. <laughs> right? Or whatever you're going through. 
Imagine if we're that type of people that delight in our weaknesses. It even gets worse. He says, in insults. Now, delighting in weaknesses is one thing, but delighting in insults. I mean, we've been talking about Youth Sunday, you know, and Kai is working so incredibly hard to, tr- to, to continue to move that youth group forward. It's awesome what's happening there. And it's awesome what's happening in children's ministry. And it's awesome. I mean, like I said, Living Spring is on the move and we're so excited. I mean, imagine Kai gets done with the promised land of, of, of uh, this is what happened this week. I'll just let you know. We have camp all planned out. We actually hired a guest speaker, someone who's got 30 years of, child, of uh, youth ministry work. All set up. Everything's set up. All transportation is all set up. We're ready to go, right? The speaker's best friend dies of cancer, and she's got to go speak at the, at, the, at the memorial service. And now we have no speaker. Here's what Kai did. He calls me up, he leaves a message. He goes, if this is going to stress you out, just delete it. But uh, we, don't, we don't have a speaker for camp. And now camp's next week, right? And he goes, this is going to be awesome. I see that. That's fantastic. That, that's our youth leader. That's amazing to me. And I did delete it because I'm not there yet. <laughs> it's just like, ah, you know, Right? So then we have all the vans set up and we, one of the churches we, was loaning us a van to use and then that church fired their pastor and their pastor took the van with them and then, and then well, I guess it was his. That's part of the reason why he's gone. And so um, you know, they go through all the stuff and we've got no van now. Kai's just like, yeah, we'll get it figured out. Now Kai, you don't understand, Kai, Kai's the king of planning. Okay, it stresses him out when things aren't planned well. But this is where he's coming from. See, when we enter into ministry, when we enter into our marriage, when we enter into all this kind of stuff, by default, it's not going to work out. It can't, because if it does, then we look at the person leading it and go, wow. But that person leading it needs to be on their knees going, I am grasshopper. I cannot do this, God. And God says, exactly right. That's exactly why I put you in that position. It's what we saw in Jackie, what you saw when, we, when she said, she said, look, I got this ministry now I'm in charge of. I can't do it. Perfect position to be in. So how, how is it with you? I, I mean, I know for me, there's many areas, but what, what is it? What's the area? What's the thing that's stopping you from just going full speed? So insults. I mean, nobody likes to be insulted. And yet you go, you know what? Fine, I'll take it. I'm doing the best I can. What are you going to do? I love it. He says, in hardships, in persecutions. Go back. What does he say? I delight in these things. Bring it on. That was Caleb. Caleb's like, hey, they're big. They're fortified cities. Okay. What does that mean? Let's just go do it. So, that, that's where we want to be in this next four weeks. And so I'm going to be asking you to maybe do some things or give you ideas or stuff that I might be doing or might just pretend I'm doing to make it look better. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but I, you know, and, and, and what I'm hoping will happen in these next four years is we kind of, I mean, next four weeks is we kind of get together. Yeah, it's a four-year boot camp. <laughs> Lock the doors. Nobody can leave, right? 
in the next uh, four weeks from here is that we'll begin to hear stories about, you know what? I turned off my television for a month. It was awesome. You know what? I memorized 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I, you know what? I went to my neighbor and I just shared the gospel. I, I took a risk. I went farther than I've ever gone before. I stepped farther into the land and I was scared to death to do it. But I did it and God met me there. And so as the worship band returns, um, that's, that's where we're going. I want to read just one little section of this. Uh, what happens later after all this? Joshua chapter 14. So now they've had to, they were punished and had to wait 40 years to get into this promised land that they could have had right then. They could have had it for them right then. All they had to do was move through and it cost them 40 years and some of us are in marriages or in situations or in financial situations where if we had just done the right thing at the time we wouldn't be in the situation we're in now but here's the most encouraging part about it caleb again he, this guy was bad he's in joshua chapter 14 he says so here i am today 85 years old now give me this hill country that the lord promised me that day he says to Joshua, dude, I'm as, I'm, re- I'm as ready to go now as I was then. And he received the promise. He says, listen how he says this. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. See, Caleb knew he wasn't going to beat any Amalekites, I can't even pronounce the word. And yet with God's help, he can do it. 